testimony. It's radio. We are the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left wing perspective. It is Saturday, August fifteenth, two thousand twenty. We're back. Um, we will not be doing this show every week, as you may have <laughs> noticed. We will do it when we can do it. And uh, today, Rachel joins me from parts unknown. Hello. Via Skype. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I am Travis, of course. I'm Rachel. And okay, we just need to recap, what, two, three months worth of stuff that's happened? (laughs) Did you look to see when the last time we podcasted was? Because I think it's literally a couple of months ago. Uh, Yeah, I think it was in June sometime. My God, that's a long... Yeah, it's been a minute. Also, months are days and weeks are years. So, like, it's really hard for me to categorize if June was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it feels like a year and a half ago and also yesterday. So, like someone said online that the Tiger King was only five months ago. Yeah, the Tiger King was like, what, March or April? Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's, that seems like a decade ago. Doesn't it? Like, that was a thing that was... In a different lifetime, when yes. every, everything was different. Yes. And people were hoarding toilet paper. You know what? It was Tiger King was before any COVID, from what I remember. It was right after we I got sent home from work. Was it? It was, because I watched the entire thing in oh, like yeah. okay. bed with my laptop at work, and I kept being like, baby, this is fucking crazy. Well, I remember. <laughs> bananas. You have to watch this. I and remember you were people. At work still, outside yeah. of and I was just like, this is fucking nuts. This is fucking crazy. I was like a very early adopter. Yeah, um, I know that. But I remember people at my work talking about it. But I remember that not being in the context of COVID panic. Like we, we weren't wearing masks yet. There were no yeah. restrictions on anything. Yeah. It was like in the very, very early days before Polish shut everything down. So like and then it, but then the hype went on after that, obviously for like ever for weeks, which yeah. felt months. Anyway, yeah, like that's that's COVID right now. It's just who fucking knows what day it is, what time it is, when that happened. Yeah. Well, on that subject, like the maddening thing is, you know, when we talked a couple months ago, we 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 probably mentioned how there's no national strategy, there's no cohesive sort of strategy between municipalities or states and, and, you know everybody is doing something different and there's all this dumb like culture war politics behind addressing covid as far as masks as far as shutdowns and it's a mess and nothing really has changed no the only thing that has really materially changed since then is that it's become um worse in that way and also that a lot of states have just said basically thrown their arms up in the air especially southern states and just said fuck it and they're just reopening things and we're seeing giant spikes in infection and death rates in those states um so that's new since probably we last talked we most places were still under pretty good stay at home orders um and that's just not the case anymore for a lot of states particularly like i said in the south yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, here in Colorado, I guess there's, there's been a little more sort of attention and cohesiveness. 
they kind of went back and forth. They were going to open the schools fully at the beginning of August, and then they said that didn't work. And now I think they're going to start virtually and try to get the kids in at some point, maybe probably at the start of, of 2021, they're thinking. Um, but oh, I know that. Last I heard, they were going to do a hybrid model starting in September. Yeah, but I but I, so, and I could be wrong about this, but as far as I know right now, there's no immediate plans to get the kids live back in school. Unlike many, many other school districts all around the country, which, you know, every day, because a lot of places in the South have already started school. Yep. And what we see in most cases is they go for a couple of days, there's a bunch of COVID, they have to shut it down. Why they have to keep going through these motions, I have no idea. I think it's a lot of it, it's parents, which is the w- weirdest part, right? Like that would be, you'd think that would be the opposite of what parents would want. You think the parents are pushing the school boards to... Yeah. They don't want kids at home anymore. They can't take it. They don't yeah. want to do schooling. You know, um, I mean, I get it, but a lot of people that I know are going to try to do homeschooling. And I was kind of ignorant because I was like, why wouldn't you keep your kids home? Like, just go send them into the fucking belly of the beast for like, that's crazy. And they were like, well, who's going to school them? And I'm like, what have you been doing since March? And they were like, well, we had virtual learning in March, right? April and May. And a lot of places that are reopening are not offering that as an option. And so parents are choosing either homeschooling fully by themselves with no aid of any teachers or sending their kids back. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole different discussion than virtual learning was, right? Mm -hmm. So I understand how – I don't understand. Thank God I don't have children. Um, But I I can see how that's a really tough choice. Especially if both parents work or there's a single parent household with a working parent. Like, what do you do? I don't know. And this whole, like, just hire a tutor and, you know, quarantine a group of eight kids and then pay the tutor really well. It's like, okay, then we're literally just privatizing education so that only the very wealthy can afford to educate their students, like their children. Well, that's the Betsy DeVos model for sure. Mm -hmm. You know... Poll after poll I see says that the parents are not in a rush to get the kids back in school by by huge margins. Um, but but you're right. You know what do you do? And and this is all goes back to not having a cohesive plan, not taking the virus seriously. Yeah. Like you know, the media just fails to mention this. But you look in countries all over the world. You look in Europe. You look in New Zealand. You look at many other places like. Life is back to something close to semi-normal. Now they keep do they have flare-ups here and there of COVID that they have to address, but for the yeah. most part, like kids are back in school, people are back to work. Oh yeah, there's like soccer matches with stadiums and like. Oh yeah, Taiwan, for example, Taiwan is completely back to normal. Um, kids are in school. People are eating at restaurants and hugging each other and making out. They have not had a death since May 11th. Mm-hmm. Not a single COVID death since May 11th. And you don't hear about that. You just hear about the chaos here and everybody kind of yeah. shrugs and says, well. Guess what you do? And you're like, you do what fucking Thailand did is what you do. Everyone wore a mask from the very beginning and people stayed the fuck home. Because mm-hmm. they're used to that too. Like that's just yeah. part of culture is because of heavy smog and a number of other things. Wearing masks is not seen as either some sort of civil rights violation, nor is it some sort of political statement nor is it anything else other than 
I want to not spread something if I have it. And Just they, they also have an economy that's designed to survive if people have to stay home for a few months. Right. So they're fine. They're completely fine. <laughs> and we're in mid-August, 170,000 deaths and climbing. And we're no better and than we were in we April. And screaming about whether or not I can, I'm going to suffocate myself. Okay, the most recent one that I love is uh, something that Michael Hobbs tweeted about. And it's this QAnon crazy save the children sex trafficking. Right, thing, right. That's the right? That thing. Yeah. That we're going to have to unpack for me because I'm still just like, <laughs> what is happening? And it's this this white lady, right? Uh-huh. And she's got a kid standing behind her with a mask on. And the caption says, the caption says, think kids should be wearing masks. And then next to it is a photo of the same kid and the same white lady. She's taken the mask off and there's packing tape over his mouth. Yeah. And then the caption says, how would you ever really know who needs help? <laughs> like, like what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? There's an epidemic of kids being trafficked with tape over tape their, over their mouths. mouths. And the mask is hiding that. Right, right. That's really why people want you to wear masks yeah. so that they can traffic children with packing tape. Yeah, I mean. I mean, that's the newest and best one I've seen. And, that, and, and we should we should now mention that QAnon, as we suspected what happened, <laughs> has pretty much now gone mainstream in the Republican Party yes. as yes. a all, a full out, not even a QAnon like whisperer, a full out QAnon supporter like has yeah. won their primary in a very red district in Georgia, and they are almost certainly going to win and be in Congress. In the House of Representatives, where mm-hmm. the crazies go. Yes. A literal person who's like, yes, I believe in QAnon theories. Also, you should elect me to Congress. And while they were, like, and it was like I a Roy Moore thing. When the Tea Party got members into Congress, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is like so next level that I, I have nothing. I got, I just, okay. You know what? Okay. Right. And it was like a Roy Moore thing. When she was running, there were some voices that were like, we, yeah, we should really vote for this other guy. <laughs> But right. now that she's won, they're like, yeah, sure. She's fine. She's great. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. I mean, she believes in things that are just abjectly not true and like super ridiculous. Um, and I, I mean, it might make for some entertainment on the floor when she brings bills to the table that are just like so wackadoo nuts that you're like, all right. I mean, well, she's got to be a junior rep she's not gonna bring much to the floor she's gonna say a lot of crazy shit i'm sure yeah, yeah. i don't think she's gonna get republican leadership to sponsor any but maybe they maybe they will i mean you know maybe it's just full QAnon now that's what the republican party is maybe uh, and like they uh, well they i mean they won't have the house no matter what but you know they they will certainly try to hold crazy wackadoo hearings um which would be fun, I guess, or, I guess. Sc- or scary, depending on how you look at it. I mean, mo- most of America still knows this is bad shit insane, but like, le- I want to talk about this QAnon stuff for a little bit. Yeah. Will you just break it down for me, please? Yeah. Yeah. Because what it, you mentioned the Tea Party and there are similarities in that what the Tea Party was, they, they like the media got it all wrong, as they usually do. Yeah. The, tea, the uh, media described the Tea Party as this new movement. Like, there's nothing new about it. It, it was the same old group of putzes and schmucks and right wingers and evangelicals who, you know, were pretty racist and hated and you know any form of social security or or 
social safety net and you used to fight it along the lines of screaming about debt and high yeah. taxes. Mm-hmm. And they got together and got a new message and called themselves the Tea Party and waved pocket constitutions. But it was the same shit that we've seen for decades. And, and, and it was it was reactionary in terms of just like the loudness of it and the like, you know, well, well it was easy to get fired. Obama, they right. tried to do that with Clinton. Like I remember seeing like the bumper stickers like Clinton's a communist and he's going to tax us to death. But, you know, he's a white guy from Arkansas with a drawl, right. you know, that wasn't right. very scary to most of America. Right. But now right. it's a black guy who was an organizer in Chicago, you know, with a mouth of black wife. And, oh, and OK, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we mm-hmm. can really get people fired up over this. Now, right. Q- QAnon is different, but. There's things that you will recognize if you've sort of had your your finger on the pulse of the conspiracy um, uh, underculture, you want to call it, for years, which I, I have because I've I always – I have to tell you I haven't because I just don't even – why would I do that? Well, I have. I know and I'm glad because I'm just like I'm not doing this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and blood pressure is good enough. I don't need – I cannot. And it's never because I believed in this stuff. I just always thought it was no, I, interesting, right? Like why do people believe in this stuff? What are they saying? Like like the thing the thing that keeps it going is there are nuggets of truth in, in their craziness here and there. Like you know, the feds are doing you know um, salacious shit. Yes, that, that's, yeah. that's true. Probably. Um, like there are certain top secret government projects that were fucking weird and bizarre and had to do with things like astral projection and making ships invisible. Like, oh yeah, no, we've, the military has looked into it. Like people have to understand like the post world war two period and the cold war, especially like there was this insanity of any crazy thing that came along with sort of the dawn of the computer age that you had those cigar chomping generals being like, I, you know, I hear the Russians have found a way to like, you know, project their mental uh, energy and influence people. And, you know, we cannot allow a, uh, an astral projection gap. Right. (laughs) You know, like this shit was real and they really looked into it. And most of it, of course, you know, was nonsense, but like, yes, there have been secret government programs looking at weird, bizarre I mean, shit. Or look at COINTELPRO, yeah. right? Like, that was the government ferociously denied the existence of this program, ferociously denied the existence. That, uh, people don't know what that is. It's counterintelligence mm-hmm. program. It's it's spying on Americans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly in the 60s and 70s, it was about uh, Black Liberation Army and MLK and Malcolm X. And it was very much aimed at the civil rights movement and... Finally, later, they've come out and just been like, no, that was all true. We did all of that. (laughs) And they're still doing it, right? But, like, that was a wild, wacky conspiracy theory among leftists. And it was like, but that was actually happening. Yeah. So Um, so, so when I say there's a nugget of truth in that, that, that's what I mean. Um, Now, it has been hijacked in the past 15 to 20 years by the right. And and they they have sort of centralized and localized it and put figures – on the left or in the Democratic Party, they don't like sort of in their crosshairs as being behind it all. Um, right. And there was this um, – somebody put together this matrix the other day of all the stuff that, that the QAnon people believe in. And I'm not going to go into the whole like Q and with the, the, the Reddit 
post that it started from and the person that calls themselves Q and all that. Like there's a really there's really good reply all episodes about that if you want to hear like the whole genesis. But yeah. basically this is just a continuation. Actually, this is somebody stealing the thunder from Alex Jones and in InfoWars because this is all the same crap that they've been peddling for about the past 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's now just has a new name on it and somebody figured some smart person figured out oh you know, instead of this crazy guy ripping his shirt off on his dumb show, what right. if what if I called myself like an inside deep throat government source on all this? Right. And then, you know, that whoa, that'll be sexy and and it worked, right? Yeah. And and now it's it, it, it's like no, old boy. Yeah. Wanted to fuck around. No, it's it's actually they they kind of narrowed it down. It's like some guy in New York, but probably but the point is, like, it's not hard to see. Like, you see all the all the QAnon merchandise. You see the T-shirts and the posters, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's another marketing scheme and and a successful one. Now, what's interesting is there was this sort of poster they put together with all the stuff, and there's like the stuff we've heard about. There's PizzaGate and Epstein and and all the stuff they're hot and bothered about. But then there's there's Bigfoot. There's there's alien lizard people. There's people living in Middle Earth. There's there's all this shit. And the interesting thing is if you go back with conspiracy culture, because I've had a lot of friends who are into it, all going back to the 90s, right? And this shit is all the same shit they've been talking about for decades. There's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. So The only new thing is that to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but the only sort of transformation that it's made is that it's become highly political. Is that it's now... Not just like there's a child sex trafficking ring in Bigfoot, but that Hillary Clinton is in charge of the child sex trafficking ring. Right. So it's become this hyper partisan thing, which conspiracy theories didn't really used to be. It used to be like crazy people who think the government is doing bad things. But I don't know that it was partisan or aimed at specific political figures as it is now. Not Not really. No. Yeah. No. You know, remember the biggest thing with the JFK conspiracy was that you know it was it was Johnson that was behind it with mm-hmm. with Castro and the mafia? Oh, my mom one hundred percent still believes that. My mom, <laughs> yeah, plenty of people do. Oliver Stone made a, made a compelling case based on nothing <laughs> than a lot of people 100%. bought. But she's her thing is like, look who benefited the most. He got to be the president, and I was like, Ma, he was already going to be the president after JFK left office. Like, I don't think that's compelling. Um, and he didn't even run for re-election, so like. Mm. Anyway, but she 100% believes that. 100%. Yeah. But, but yeah. my point is there, there was – I don't know if there still is. There was this radio show called Coast to Coast AM and I think <laughs> it still exists. It, it, it's a massively popular AM radio show if those are still things and mm. it's simulcast in like every city on earth including Miami where I grew up and it was fun. It was, it was like X-Files radio like before the X-Files <laughs> and during the X-Files. And it had this this guy named named George Norrie, and before him, this guy named Art Bell, and they would talk about you know aliens and astral projection and lizard people and like just not satire. Not it was like so earnest. It was so straightforward, and I mean, it was just it was perfect, and it was it was really entertaining. Right. Because it was it was like watching one of those bad bad movies where the director is taking it 100% seriously. Right. Yeah. But it was not political. 
Not really. No, no. Like, it, again, started the get, it started like, getting uh, – no, well, that's what I'm going to tell you. Like Coast to Coast has been around, I don't know, since the 70s or 80s, uh, maybe even further. I don't know how far back it goes. But once we got into I'd say the George W. Bush era, I did – like that's when I kind of stopped listening. Like they did start to get on this little bit of Alex Jones right wing bent a little bit. Um, just very subtly. And, and that was sort of the dawn of it. Um, and that's basically when I stopped listening and obviously, (laughs) (laughs) but like this radio show and all the people who listened to it and all the people who went to like the cons and the conventions and like had their groups and whatever, like, like this is all the same shit that QAnon talks about now. Like the new stuff is the overtly political stuff, right? Yep. And the child sex trafficking stuff is is that part of it is new to the conspiracy crowd, but, but that's like the interesting part of it, I think it's smart because it seems apolitical, and anytime you're what about the children, anything, yeah, who, yeah, who's it gets say, no, I don't care about the children. Going to say no, I don't care about trafficked kids. Um, again, you're wrong about doesn't excellent job of uh, debunking this whole child sex trafficking nonsense. Um, Not that it doesn't happen. It does occasionally happen in the ways that you think of when you think of child sex trafficking, but not in the ways that that is constantly, it's just not that common. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's smart to bring this in because now it's like, well, you don't care about children. And, you know, obviously, yes, I'm just such a huge fan of sex trafficked children. Like, no, but I also not... um, I don't live in La La Land, so it's interesting that this is an addition, but I do think it's sort of smart. Um, yeah, and, and I've seen people on – I want to say there's people in my social media universe. There's nobody super direct to me, but there's people that I've known at least casually who have started to parrot some of this shit. And you know, I've had to block them and, and, and unfriend them and you know, it's, Crazy. Yeah. And I just it's had like to say sort of, um, the sort of like those people I know that are like in my um, circles that I'm not close to anymore that are all joining like these MLM mainstream or um, yeah, multi-level marketing pyramid schemes that are basically also nothing like new. Nope. But they're basically just like cults that prey on um, poor and working class and in some cases uh, lower middle class women. Yeah. Um, and they're absolute garbage and, uh, should be illegal. Um, but every time one of them joins one, you're just like, there she goes and that's it. And then everything is, it, yeah, it's like its own cult. So I get that. Did I tell you? I don't think I conspiracy theory so. in elementary school, they actually showed me one of those real to real, like PSA scare movies about MLM. What? Yeah. What? And it was actually really well made. It was like, I think from the seventies and it was this kid like growing up in uh, Brooklyn, I guess. Uh-huh. And he really, really wanted, he was a drummer and he really wanted a drum set, which was something that I could relate to like perfectly. Right. Yes. And, and I, I want to say this was like summer school when I went to summer school once, like fifth going into sixth grade. So this was the eighties sometime. And I remember this distinctly. The movie was this kid in Brooklyn. He really wants to buy a drum set. His parents are like, you know, very working class, borderline like poor. 
Um, he's got no money. He can't really get a job. So somebody comes to him with the scheme. He's like, oh, it's easy. You just sell these greeting cards. Everybody needs greeting cards, right? Mm-hmm. And they show him like trying to sell bar mitzvah cards to rabbis and trying to sell like <laughs> birthday cards to little old ladies. And then because they've like he, he got some money up front and was able to buy the drum set. And then, like, he's in hock now for all this money because he signed a contract and he couldn't sell any of these fucking cards. And, like, the drum set gets repossessed and the dad has to go to court on his behalf because it was, like, it was, like, really, really well done. And, and, I, and I think there's laws now where you can't sign up kids to do your MLM anymore. I was going to say, like, you are nuts. It's not even close to targeted at children at all. Um, but, and- but I think it might have been at one time. And like the the scheme nowadays is like the products are garbage and everyone knows it. It's not about selling anything. It's about getting other people to sign up to sell things that then get other people to sign up to sell things that yeah, then get. Yeah. And I think they mentioned that in the movie too. Like he yeah. tries to recruit his friends and his friends yeah. are like, no fucking way. <laughs> and then what ends up happening is you just end up buying all of this merchandise. Exactly. Yeah. So you are a customer. Yeah. Because otherwise you lose like your status and the thing you don't get paid from your downline. It's a whole there's a podcast called The Dream. Mm-hmm. Season one is all about this and it is so good. Um, I'm like obsessed with MLMs for like a year now. And then there is a show on Showtime called On Becoming a God in Central Florida mm-hmm. with Kirsten Dunst about this exact thing. And it's like pretty over the top. It's a comedy. Um but also not that over the top for how crazy this shit gets. Um, yeah. So MLMs, don't do it. It's a cult and it's uh, – yeah. well, there it's is no way to make money. It's just pretty incredible that um, <laughs> that, like, that in elementary school we had a PSA about it. That's crazy. It stuck with me though. Cause I, I mean, you never joined an MLM. <laughs> I, I definitely got pitched it. I remember. I, I don't remember how young I was, but I it, it got pitched to me a few times for sure. Me too. Yeah, multiple times. My mom sold Mary Kay when I was a kid, when Emmett was born, um, for a couple years before he went off to kindergarten. Yeah, at least Mary Kay is a decent product. You know, you totally. know about it. And she didn't try to recruit anybody. She just and she didn't order a bunch of the product either. She just mm-hmm. sold to friends and like. I don't think she made any money, but. Yeah. We did not have like a garage full of Mary Kay. <laughs> she had yeah. taken out a second credit card to buy to get to platinum status like that. She just never did any of that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she didn't get the pink Cadillac. She did not get the pink Cadillac. No, yeah. no. I once got picked up by a lady in a grocery store where I was working um, in the floral department who wanted to give me a makeover. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sure. Um and then she came to my house and tried to pitch me Arbon, which is another one of the MLMs. Um, so, yeah, I've been pitched multiple times and always just like, oh, not doing that. Thank you, though. <laughs> and I also don't accept makeovers from strange women anymore. <laughs> no, probably a good idea. But that mm-hmm. was a big thing back then, right? The makeover? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was makeover you, fervor. Like you enter to win the makeover, right? Yeah. And then the scam there is everybody wins because it's not about makeovers. It's about will you sell this product for me? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely yeah. an early 2000s thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Late 90s, early 2000s for sure. <clears throat> so tell me. So this there is a hashtag. OK, right. Save are we, we going to do a little yes, yes, no? 
reply all style? Pretty much. Yes. So there's a hashtag <laughs> called hashtag save the children. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And it's providing like what I can tell very typical overblown, not true statistics about human trafficking yeah, and yeah. Like, wild claims that are untrue. Yes. And somehow it's connected to QAnon. Yes. What? 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 Well, no. I'm hearing is just I mean, like, that, don't. That's it. You okay. figured it out. There, there's, there's nothing you're missing there. It's the, it's so, the, it's the QAnon why? conspiracy stuff about, you know, 800, 837 million children are trafficked every year. And you every know, if, day. You, if you see a, a kid in an airport with an adult and they, they don't necessarily look related, then they're probably being trafficked and you should tell somebody and it's that. But so there's shit. no like, point. It's just, that's just, there's, there's not like a political end game here. It's just that somebody in QAnon was like, but what about the children? And, it, and that's it. There's no goal or, or what? It's just more well, the, the goal is to, to, perpetuate this myth that that Trump is some crusader to save the children, which is really funny because he probably actually is a child rapist among yeah. all the people that are being accused. Um, but I mean, friends with a child sex trafficker in reality, like one of the actual ones that exists right. that we know of right. was his friend. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, a weird, it's a weird go to. If I'm going to be like Trump's good about something, probably not. Oh, well, that. Their, their excuse is that, oh, no, no. All that time he was he was like undercover and he what? was, he was gaining Intel so that Why when he become president, he could dismantle the whole system. No, this is really what they say. Are you this serious? Is re- <laughs> I'm, I'm not making it up. That is their excuse. He's Every time you show the pictures of Trump with Epstein and dancing with Epstein and him and Ghislaine, um, it, it's all, Oh no, no, no. That was him doing recon. That was him, you know, going undercover and, and gaining all the, all, so uh, when he became president, he could, he could dismantle it all. The, the, don't you see, you you dumb you dumb libtard? Yeah. So why isn't it dismantled then? Um, that's a good question, it. right? Because he he was president and he had the whole Congress for four years. Well, there were two reasons: one, because we distracted him with the Russia scandal, and <laughs> and two, the you know no one COVID has really garnered so much attention from him that he said to go golfing. You know, eight hundred seventy three days since it started, so. They've got an answer for everything. Not a good answer, but they, they definitely have answers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's take a break. You for asked. Just um, let's take a break for just one sec. Okay. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back.
and welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. So we should talk about the two biggest things, I guess, on the agenda right now, the post office and Biden's selection of uh, Kamala Harris as his running mate uh, and the new uh, re-rise of birtherism that we've had in the wake of that. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you want to start with? Uh, I guess let's do the Biden-Kamala story. Yeah, I have some thoughts. Um, I, I, you know, obviously Biden was way down our list of choices. Kamala Harris was way down our list of choices. I think unlike Biden, we, we, we saw a few more positive things about Kamala Harris, but her record as a prosecutor and, and not just that she was a blank slate prosecutor, but there some specific things we could point to didn't, didn't sit well with us. And as attorney general, yeah. both so top cop and just regular cop, um, she did some real damage and lasting harm to that community in California, yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. She also, you could argue, did some good in other ways. Uh, not that they necessarily balance each other out, but you know, it's it's complex and and it's worth noting. But mm-hmm. what I. I think that, at least I'll speak for me, I got sort of a reminder that it's easy, especially like now, to really get into our white progressive bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, like even though we we rip Bernie and the like Bernie or bust hardcore people to shreds, that's still mostly our circle of people we engage with politically and share ideas with politically, right? I mm-hmm. mean, would you say that's more or less fair Mm. being very general in a very general sense right yeah i guess like our circle of people that that let it that enjoy our podcast and listen to what we say on social media and we talk about politics with they're they're pretty much in that camp of like white progressive bernie aoc you know far left a cab right i mean that that, that's not a stretch for me to say that i don't think definitely i mean i don't think anybody that i well that's not true one person that I currently know is a Bernie enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know really anybody else that I hang out with that is a Bernie enthusiast. Okay, but well, Bernie, Bernie, is, Bernie aside, then everything yes. else that is espoused in that, yeah, that general cohort, yes, of yes. of young left, very white, usually yes. the faces you see, progressive politics, right? Yep, they were the hardest on Kamala Harris. Sort of online and some black voices too. Let's be fair. Definitely, particularly but, in my circles of prison abolition and um, yes, police abolition. But, but when she was selected as running mate, um, sort of the general reaction from much of black intelligentsia, uh, black Twitter, black civil rights era icons. Um, they did not feel they they did not yell oh you know Kamala's a cop they're they're excited about it they really like her they really like the prospect of an African American uh, woman vice president and daughter of immigrants so you know I I tend to shut up and back up and listen to it and this is the argument I keep having with usually the Bernie people over Biden. Like, no, Biden was my dead last choice. And they yell about, well, the DNC foisted him upon us. Like, no, black voters chose him. Yes. And for complicated reasons, yes. But they chose him. And they chose Hillary. And you, 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 you still refuse to see and acknowledge that. 
So you can yell because they know us. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was talking to my my uh, two black lady friends that I talk to very regularly yesterday. We talked Mm -hmm. for many hours last night and Kamala came up and both of them were like, I didn't think he'd be smart enough to pick a black woman. I'm really excited. And I was like, right on. Awesome. Like, that's all I got to say to them. I do not need to tell them a single other word other than right on. (laughs) Right. Um, They know my feelings about uh, her from the primary, Mm -hmm. which we talked at length about. Um, Both of them still like her. They do not. Everyone doesn't have to have my same opinion about everything all the time. Um, And both of them were just really excited. And my opinion is that um, I have feelings about her. And I... A lot of the like very, very intersectionally most marginalized people in my life, um, you know, sort of brown, trans, <laughs> non-passing sex worker type of people in my life are very upset about her mm-hmm. um, record and very upset about this ticket in general and probably will not vote in this election uh, for the top ticket uh, because they just feel like it is such a fucking punch in the face um, and that there's that there is no representation for folks like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not going to tell them any different. I, I don't, I, I can't imagine what that must feel like. Um, and I, of course, will be voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a VP's job is to be the sort of bulldog, right? And go around and make trouble and get in people's faces. And I don't mean that literally, but like, you know, stir some shit and throw some fucking stones and like be an asshole. That's the job of the vice president. Because <laughs> a little the, bit, maybe. The campaign trail, like that's their job. That's sure, always been their job sure. because the presidential candidate isn't supposed to get into the mud. So you use the vice presidential candidate to get into the mud for you. And that's their job. They're shit slingers. That's what they're supposed to do. That they've always done in the age of Trump. A lot of that has been turned on its head. Totally Right. Completely. Um, I agree with that, but I also, cause I don't think Mike Pence is that guy at all, but Trump already is. So it was like, who cares? They just needed like some really gross, um, conservative evangelical Christian for him, yeah, but yeah, yeah, in yeah. traditional politics, like that's the job of the VP on the campaign trail. Well, and I think, that she's going to be excellent at that job. I think Mm -hmm. she's going to be very good at looking at how her, just her demeanor and how she carried herself and how um, fierce she was during the debates and during the primary. I think it's a perfect job for her on the campaign trail. I, I don't think there's a lot of better people than that, than her for that. Um, And I'm my sincerest hope is that during her years as attorney general and prosecutor and then post those years, I hope that she's been listening and learning and that what she says is true and that maybe she's changed. I hope that's true Um, so that when she gets into office, she can maybe repair some of the damage that was done, you know? I mean, Joe Biden's apologized for the crime bill multiple times. I think it would be good for Kamala to sort of 
come to terms with some of the things that she did that maybe she doesn't really want to talk about. Well, she's right. saying the right things. Mm-hmm. But they all say the right things. I, I just want to make two points, right? Sure. Um, we approach politics, even electoral politics that we're very passionate about, in a different way than a lot of people do with politics, right? We don't get into cults of personality. Like no. We like and admire certain figures, but yeah. n- none of them are perfect. No. Even the ones we have worked for. <laughs> yes. Like, we know yes. how flawed they are in many, in many ways. Um, like, we sure miss Obama, but he was really far from a perfect president and a perfect leader. Yeah. There are all kinds of things we did that he did that we take tremendous issue with. I'm still mad at him about a lot of stuff, yo. Absolutely. I I never wasn't mad at him for something. Yeah. Um, And and if they and if they if they overturn the two term limit, would we vote for him again? Absolutely. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So understand that. Like we we have preferences, but we don't need to be in love with the candidate because we're never in love with the candidates because the real the, the real the reality of the system is the way the system works in the two party system. Whoever climbs their way to the top of this shit avalanche is is not going to be our our ideal candidate in any right. in any and, fantasy, right? And looking at the Bernie people, I think <clears throat> is a perfect example of why you don't want to idolize a person, but rather why you want to talk about ideals. Yes. Because when you do something like with the Bernie movement and you it's all this one man and it has to be him and if it's not him fuck everything. Mm-hmm. I don't care because I'm so enmeshed in this one guy. That I will literally let everything burn down and everyone around me die. I don't care because I have put this man as the epicenter of everything I believe in. And that is can cause very, very much harm and damage, as we have seen. Although they, of course, deny that. But, you know, their actions. But that's yeah, like you can say it all you want. But the truth is. If it's not Bernie, it's nobody and fuck everything else. And to me, like your actions speak louder than words. Yeah. If you, if you won't vote for Hillary Clinton because she's not Bernie Sanders, then fuck you. And also, um, it really is about idolizing this one man. And it's not just Bernie. Like, this has been done to a lot of people. But I think anytime you put somebody who's alive up on a pedestal, particularly in electoral politics, it's dangerous because it has it, it ceases becoming about the things that that person believes in and it starts to just become about that individual and that I don't ever want to go down that rabbit hole because yeah. people are flawed. People are not perfect. Yeah. Um, and it lets, you know, good be the enemy of perfect. Right. Yeah. Which we've talked about a million times. But, you know, I just wanted to point out that, um, yes, Biden and Harris were nowhere close to our first choice. Uh, my dream ticket was Warren Castro. <laughs> right. Mine was I, Warren Booker. Was, was what? I'm sorry. Warren Booker. Yeah. So, you know, either way, never would have happened. But, um, but you know what? Elizabeth Warren's not perfect. No. She's really good. Well, she's not perfect. perfect. Booker's right. not perfect. None of these people are perfect and we wouldn't expect them to be. Um, and cause for us, it's not a cult of personality, but I want to talk about, I, I want to talk about a little about how this whole VP decision came about. Cause it's kind of interesting, right? You had Biden's old 
gross old man buddies like Chris Dodd and other people leak like negative stuff about Kamala and leak how they were trying to find somebody else, right? And they I talk. But I knew that. Huh? I don't know that I knew that. But yeah, okay. maybe you missed all that. Okay. I was following yeah. it. I wasn't so. Because <laughs> that's what. Remember, they were talking about Karen Bass and Susan Rice and yeah, yeah, right. Gretchen Whit- mm-hmm. Whitmer from Michigan. And none of those people really made sense. And so everybody was speculating, oh, well, Biden and his people are still really grumpy uh, about how Kamala pantsed him in that first debate. Yeah. Over the busing thing, right? Right. And what I would like... I loved her for that, by the way. Right. What I would like to believe, if, if this is true and how it came out, is that, yeah, it really hurt Biden's feelings, but Biden was impressed by that. And yeah. said, if, if I win this thing, I, I need her on my side. Now, I would, I would like to believe that. And I think if that's true, it shows a lot of character for Joe Biden. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. He may have chose her through gritted teeth just because, you know, she's, she's the best one to help him win. But he doesn't necessarily personally like her. doesn't really matter at the end of the day. No. Um, Can I also say, like... Does it, has the choice of a vice presidential nominee ever moved anyone? Very, very rarely. It, 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 it I think, has helped marginally in certain states when that candidate is very popular in that state and that state's a swing state. Um, obviously, that's not the case with Kamala Harris being from California. Right. Um, Tim Kaine, that was not a consideration. Him being from Virginia, which was a safe state in 2016. Um, no, it can only potentially do harm. That's the conventional wisdom, right? I mean, I was telling the girls last night, like, he had no choice but to pick a black woman. Like, there was no other option. Well, he he said he was going to. You don't, you don't go back after that. You know, in, in the year 2020, you can't say, I'm going to pick a black woman and then go, eh, you know what? Just kidding. How about this white guy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that How about this nice white lady? Part. It would be serious harm to his campaign had he done that. And I think he understood that. And I think I, there was no other choice. It was always going to be a black woman. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, I, you know, I just don't know. I think we we make a big deal about it because it's newsworthy and it's something the pundits can throw around. But like, well, I think it's a big deal because it's Kamala Harris, a black woman who is the daughter of immigrants. And right. to that end, we have now we're now bringing a birtherism again. Right. I, I mean, no, I don't mean we. This this jackass professor who wrote a column did, and now uh, Trump and Kushner and everybody's kind of winking at it, being like, "Well, I, you know, there, I just heard this thing. I don't know, but I, you know, it could be true. I don't know, right?" And that the the argument is that, okay, yeah, the 14th Amendment says birthright citizenship. And yeah, it was decided in the Supreme Court, but what the founders really meant was this other thing, right? They're trying to to relitigate it. What other thing did they mean? What's the argument? Oh, that that really the, the founders were more worried about allegiance to the U.S. And so, you know, they they didn't want like uh, like. English or Spanish nobles to come here and then have a kid who's an American citizen and then like grows up to have interests and for, fight for their interests for other countries. I don't know. It's very convoluted and it's bullshit. And it's the founders didn't irrelevant. write the 14th Amendment. No, they, what, that's a whole different thing. 
Yeah. This is about slavery. Yeah. This is about if you're born here, it was in order to give citizenship to every black person in the country. Was the yes. reason that birthright citizenship exists. It has nothing to do with the fucking founders. And it was challenged oh. a bunch of times and it was decided in 1898 and there has not been any sort of realistic challenge to it since. I, I mean, unless you're talking about Donald Trump's continued insistence that we get rid of it. Um, <laughs> right, right. And on the same token, he's trying to get rid of it. And then now you're saying, well, it's not a thing anyway. Like, no, y you can't you can't have it both ways. But it's just so disgusting that they're playing this game again and they think they're really slick, right? Like Kushner was being interviewed the <laughs> other day and he's like – He's like, oh, I'm I'm not saying that. I just I just heard that there was this article that that maybe this is a topic for discussion. I don't know, right? And you think by playing this little game like the white fedora guys that are like, oh, I'm just I'm just bringing up a question. I'm just asking questions. I'm just introducing the marketplace of right. ideas right. that you know right. maybe black people I are mean, inferior and women should be subservient right. and you know whatever else. I'm not saying anything. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> Right. Questions that have been settled and decided over 100 years ago. No, no, right. no. I'm just asking questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. All right, Chad. Cool. Right. As if, as if we don't get it, right? Right. So as though I'm fucking stupid. Um, it, well, it is stupid because who does it help? Who does the birther thing help? Like there's no independent-minded people or, or, or people planning to vote Democratic who are going to hear that and, and pause. I guess it's to fire up their own base still like everything else is. I think that, I mean, yeah, that's the only explanation, right? Do they, do they, <laughs> they need to be fired up more? Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine that it, I guess it doesn't do any harm. I <laughs> think it does. I got, I, maybe in their view, it doesn't do any harm to rile up the base about everything constantly, all of the time, no matter what it is. Um, I don't think that's true, but I also am not a, wackadoo fucking QAnon strategists in the Republican Party right now so I have no right. idea what they're saying to each other like I don't know if they have any left um, that are serious people I think they have a few that are saying don't fucking do this birther shit like like this is a real gross chapter we're trying to get away from the ones who are thinking about the future at least and not just the next three or four months but yeah you're right there's so few of those certainly oh. few of the certainly none of those who have Trump's ear right Right. I mean, those people do exist who previously worked with the Republican Party as strategists who are well, very most, most of them are Lincoln Project, never Trumper types now. Right. So I don't know who's in the room right now that to, to say this is a bad idea. Right. I don't I don't think that the, they have that anymore. I don't think they've had that for a while, but I don't think that there's any serious people left. Well, um, so on the topic of stupid ideas, we need to talk about what's happening with the post office and, and how blatant and out in the open this is. And it's a really fucking big deal. It, it's a, it's a huge deal and it's a much bigger deal outside of just trying to fuck with the election. Yep. Like people yep. depend on the goddamn post office. Old people it, it, get their medication. It's in the Constitution, the post office. There have been multiple Supreme Court cases about the post office. It is a vital service in this country that people don't fully understand how much 
mail they get as a result of U.S. Postal Service existing. Well, they're going to start figuring it out because these slowdowns are happening. We have experienced it personally ourselves to yep. not a great degree. Yep. To a slight degree, but still, like, I I sent a package that was supposed to arrive Monday and it didn't get there till Thursday. Not a big deal for me, but it's a thing, right? Right. Yep. And a, f- a couple days could certainly make the difference between your ballot being counted and not being counted. But what about like a person who depends on their medication and gets it through the mail and can't miss two or three days of that medication? That's right. Or what about someone who's waiting on a check that pays their rent or pays medical bills? What about small businesses that are still able to operate (laughs) and depend on, you know, timing of shipping and receiving? Like Not this. to mention, there's a whole other arm to this that people don't fully understand. And this has been being talked about for, I'm going to say, at least a year. Trump's been kind of threatening to fuck with the mail for about a year. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, I read this long tweet thread about what the USPS actually does in terms of delivering your mail. And it's not just if you send something through USPS, it will get delivered to you, which is true and great and necessary. It's also when you send something through Amazon or Mm -hmm. FedEx Mm -hmm. or UPS Mm -hmm. or any other number of services, the overwhelming majority of that mail arrives at a postal service, at a post office, and the last mile or 10 miles, if you're in a rural area or whatever it is, is delivered by the postal service. These companies do not have the infrastructure, nor do they have the personnel, nor do they have um, the will to actually deliver all of these packages that you think they're going to deliver. They get it from where it go, where it's coming from, all the way to basically your local post office, and they leave it up to them. And this is particularly important in rural areas where your post office is 30 miles away, mm-hmm. right? That last 30 miles, is, is FedEx is not delivering that to you. They're not driving 30 miles into the middle of nowhere to drop off one package. They're just not going to do it. So for those folks, they're just not going to get packages anymore. Right. You just don't get shit delivered to you. Because right now what happens is they drop it off at that post office and then your poster guy brings it to you. That's just their job. Without the postal service, sending a letter, for example, going to be about 15 bucks to send a letter. Like the post office is a vital service in this country and it will derail so many things and people don't even realize not just the election, but like the entire way that transit operates in this country will be massively disrupted if we don't have the post office anymore, period. Right? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know. Lots of rural conservative types depend on that, too. Now, are they willing to make that sacrifice if they think it's going to help Trump? Probably. You just don't get mail anymore. I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to look at it. But You're drive it, it, it's so blatant so and it's so out yeah. in the open. And, and let me talk about how Democratic leadership so far is failing on this. Um, they're writing lots of tweets. They're writing lots of strongly worded letters. They're coming mm-hmm. on the cable shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not doing anything. I mean, it's, it's bringing it's bringing attention, but right now they've all adjourned till September. Like we don't have till September to try to figure this out. 
No. And the only cogent explanation no. I've heard is like, well, this is prime fundraising season and we're going to we're going to go back into Congress. Well, you know, the Senate is, is out fund the Republicans in the Senate are out fundraising and we can't. And and to that, I say, OK, um, I get it. You, you need to fundraise so you can raise money so you can advertise so you can get votes what good is that if a huge chunk of your votes may not arrive in time to be counted? Yep. Right? Like, where's this logic? And Pelosi may have a plan here. Maybe she's like, okay, we spend a week or two fundraising and then bringing awareness to this and then we'll hold hearings or do something. But it it kind of seems like they're like, well, we'll just yell about it a lot and hopefully something will happen. Right. I mean, Jonah Goose authored a bill that passed the House in March about this. And the Senate won't bring it to the floor. Well, that's just funding, and that's another thing I want to talk about. Um, the funding part of it, you you have this guy DeJoy who is dismantling huge parts of the post office, and I don't know <coughs> that funding is going to make a difference. You know, I, I, I what does then? Uh, is is removing this guy and sort of a like a, a some sort of federal takeover. And, and I don't know if that's something we can get through Congress or get the Senate support on, although some Republican senators are even saying, hey, my constituents aren't getting their mail and they're pissed off. Right. I learned a thing today. Yeah. About the Board of Governors for the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. Yeah. The Board of Governors is a group of nine people who are appointed by the President of the United States uh-huh. who then select the Postmaster General and then those ten people – so the nine plus the postmaster general mm-hmm. elect the deputy postmaster general. Yeah. And so that's a problem. Didn't know that. Probably something we should think about fixing. Um, do one of those kind of like their posts only last for six years so that if even if you're president for two terms, you can't fuck around with it more than once kind of a thing. Or I guess more than five of them can't be from the same party, which is fine. I don't know how that works for Trump, but um, that's just a thing I didn't know. Um, and I feel like a thing that we should know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. And maybe change because this is one of those. I just never thought I'd have to worry about the fucking post office. Right. Yeah. I never thought that would become a political tool. Um, so I didn't really give a fuck about the Board of Governors. But since they are the person who selects the Postmaster General and this particular Postmaster General is wildly conflicted, right? In mm-hmm. terms of his amount of stock that he owns in the competitors. Yes. FedEx and UPS. Yes. Um, this would be a good time to know how he can be reappointed. And then, then to realize that these are all Trump lackeys. And so never mind. And so maybe in the future, here's another norm we should probably think about changing. That we thought was fine. But now, of course, it's not fine. Nothing is fine. Yeah. Um, Congress needs to do something. Yeah. And they yeah. need to do something more than tweeting and talking to Maddow and writing strongly worded letters. Uh, and and I'm not sure what they're doing or what their plan is or if they have a plan. Um, but this is vitally important, you know, not just for the election. Yeah. And it's vitally important for the election, certainly. Like, and the fact that the president has come out and verbally spat 
vomit and said, I want to close down the USPS because I don't want people to be able to vote by mail because there would be an incredible number of people who would do it. And like that would fuck with my chance of winning. So I'm going to dismantle the post office because I don't want more people to have the right, the ability to vote during a pandemic. Well, the only good thing is that they, they, they kind of, they didn't blindside us with that like the last week, which would have been smart. They, they've, they've started this dismantling process with enough time for the word to get around, A, people to get pissed, and B, Democratic leaders to say, okay, well, here's how you drop off your ballot. Here's to make sure it gets in the mail you know, fast enough. Like we can mitigate some of that hopefully. Yeah. Um, but not all of it, of course. Yeah. I mean we always drop off our ballots anyway. Yes, we've always done that. Uh, yeah. I think because at one it, time we put it in the mail. I think so. Yeah. Um, and we have early voting in Colorado, so you can you've got a real good chunk of time to get your ass to a drop box, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, and something that I think every state should adopt because the federal government has literally no power over elections. We have to keep reminding people of that. Well they're suing. They're suing states to not put extra drop boxes and stuff. There's okay, but like it's not, this is not a federal jurisdictional thing. Trump mm-hmm. can't move the election. He can't delay the election. Yeah, no one's talking about that anymore. For- no, like I had to tell, I had to like scream at people and just be like, stop it. Yeah. Oh go my ask- God, sure, Trump wants to move the election. It's like, yeah, I'm sure he wants a unicorn too. That you know Exactly. Go tell Jenna fucking Griswold you're going to move the Colorado election <laughs> as far that gets you. I right. would love to be in on that conversation when she tells you to go fuck yourself because she's a secretary of state. She's not moving shit. Mm-hmm. She's not getting rid of any drop boxes and she's not doing anything else the fucking president wants. Go fuck yourself. Sit on it and spin. Sorry, Jenna, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I just imagine that's what you'd be thinking. <laughs> you well, you know her, so Yes. <laughs> well look, let no me let me put it this way. For those listening to us, and a lot of you in Colorado, but I know we have people listening all over the world. Um look, do not if your plan was to procrastinate, and we all love to procrastinate and, and send in your ballot at the last minute, don't. This year you can't do that. You either have to – I would not mail it at all if, if it is at all possible for you to, A, drop your absentee or mail ballot off in a drop box well before Election Day, do it. Failing that, if you're in a state that has early voting, go early vote. Keep – wear your mask. Keep your distance you know, um, and vote early. Um, don't just rely on the postal service getting your ballot back in time to be counted. Just yeah. don't. You can't. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's that's the <clears throat> world we're in now. So the the day you get your ballot, you fill it out, you drop it off. Yeah. Or, and if you, or you within twenty four hours. You're in quarantine. You can't leave the house. You um, don't have a car. You live in a rural. Like, there's a lot of reasons people can't drop it off at the Dropbox. Yes, I'm saying if you can. If Promise you, if you're in that situation, there is going to be community organizing around picking up your ballot and dropping it off. Where for it's you. legal, it's not legal in every yeah. state to do that. Right. So if you're having that situation, I would look up those resources. If that is not an option because it's not legal in your state, then I would ask for a ride. I would. Um, there's going to be there's going to be resources out there to get every single vote that we can possibly get counted. So don't despair. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
just do the very best that you can to make sure it gets there. And I'm, I'm with you on this mail-in thing. I think the best thing to do is not mail in your ballot, even if it's kind of a pain in the ass. Like just, just, just don't rely here. on the post. You can't just drop it off. You what, cannot what rely on the postal service anymore. It's, just, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. But Most like right now, this year, this one time, I'm just going to ask, just drop the fucking thing off because yeah. I just, just let's not fuck around this time. Yeah. That's all I would say. If at all possible, if not possible, look up some community help to get your mal- <laughs> your ballot mailed back quickly. Yeah. Long before election day. Yeah. And the Democratic Party, I'm telling you, is going to be mobilizing around this issue to make sure that people who cannot drop it off either they're going to be doing a lot of get out the vote in areas where you can do mail-in ballots and early and they're going to do a lot of of mobilizing around picking up ballots where possible and lots of that stuff so that's going to be coming from both the democratic party itself and then also from like the sort of packs and offshoots of the party Mm -hmm. sure there's a ton of money going into it already yeah i mean not to put a silver lining on it it's just bad but like a it's going to piss a lot of people off what trump is doing and b it could help mobilization efforts so we could at least maybe get close to breaking even on this because this is going to hurt you know now hopefully the the election won't be close enough it won't matter but who the fuck knows like we can't take anything for granted and certainly you at the very least as a voter can't sit back and say well we'll it'll figure it out i'm sure it'll just be fine no you have to be proactive and yep. making sure your ballot gets returned and you can't rely on just dropping it in the mail just in time because that's not going to work this year. No. And I know that um, four or five states, including Colorado, I think Oregon, Washington, and I'm forgetting the other two, um, have trackers, just mm-hmm. like if you order an Amazon package and you can see where it is. Yeah. They have uh, the ability to track your ballot to see they won't be able to be like, oh, it's in Fort Collins. But it's like I you know, dropped it off on this day. And it, if you go to the secretary of state's website, it'll say this ballot has been counted and is valid because we have to sign the back of ours and they have to check the signatures. It's a whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. go in and you look at it and it's a big green check mark and it says this ballot has been counted and then you're done. You don't have to worry about it. It's over. You're mm-hmm. fine. But it's, I think that's another thing some states should seriously consider. I think people should kind of consider Colorado as a model um, yeah. state voting. I really, we do a really good job. It's super secure. A lot of people vote. We've done the mail-in thing for a really, quite a good long time now, considering. Um, and it works really well. Yeah, and if you're just super good. old school and you don't, you want to go to an old school polling place and pull the lever, you can, you can do that. Yep. But Absolutely. very few people do, because why? <laughs> why, why would you? When you can do it in your living room and drop off an a, a envelope. Stick an I voted sticker in the envelope for you. Yeah. I don't get that sticker. Sometimes I don't. But usually, usually I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to be like, what about the I voted sticker? Like that fucking matters. It's the democracy idiot. But <laughs> they fixed it. They just send it. You know. um, so anyway, that's the rant. And again, this is not the solution to the USPS problem, right? No, so no. that's separate. Right. This election, you need to do something different than use the Postal Service. Do that, A, separately entirely from, let's save the fucking post office. That's a whole thing that needs to happen regardless of whether we have an election or not. That's mm-hmm. really bad. Really, really, really bad if we lose the post office. For so, everybody. For everybody. For everybody. everybody. 
it's it would literally disrupt transit in this country in a way that I do not think people understand fully or are prepared for. Well, we're already in an economic crisis. Yes. In a pandemic where everything kind of is easier and better to go by mail. Like, literally, I don't go shopping. I just have things delivered to me. Um, most of them locally, but, you know, still order stuff online because mm-hmm. I don't want to go to a department store. Right. Like, the mail's the most important right now. We need the mail. We need the fucking mail, period. We just do. And don't even give me this fucking market will take care of it nonsense. No, it won't. It's just going to be really They don't have fuck- the capacity if they wanted to. No, they don't. They absolutely do not. Yeah. They already don't because they count on the fucking postal service. I would like to ask Jeff Bezos where he is on this. Or Mike Bloomberg. What the fuck happens to Amazon if the post office doesn't exist anymore? Like, I feel like he needs to be like, hi, that's a really bad idea. Here's a couple billion dollars to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, Trump already hates him. And, and again, um, money, I mean, no. money is not the issue. They're trying to sabotage it. So, you know, a, well, an influx. I, of, think- I mean, they, it would it would relieve the excuse that they're using. They're saying, well, we're doing cost cutting. Right. I mean, fund it fully. He could do that very easily and it would actually save him a lot of money in the end. But also pour some money into like whatever pack or some shit. Like get this shit figured out, yo. This is bullshit. We can't lose the fucking post office. It would cripple Amazon's entire business structure Mm -hmm. if that were to happen. Um, So, you know, go buddy up to your people in Congress. or I don't know. Rich people go do something about this. (laughs) Right. You benefit more from the post office than I do. Go fix it. Yeah. Didn't Bloomberg say he was going to spend whatever it it took to defeat Trump? And there's Bezos money and there's Gates money and there's Buffett money. And fix the post office for fuck's sake. That's your new job, rich people. And then maybe I'll spare you the guillotine for Well, for a minute. (laughs) I said maybe. It's not how good a job you do with the post office. First one to fix it doesn't get the guillotine right away. How's I like that? where your head's at, Queen Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> I like it. Uh, our friend Sarah Burris is going to join us again soon. Um, can't say when exactly, but she will. I really want to talk to her about Joe Biden because she has such a, a long history with this man that I'd love to hear what she has to say. So that's going to be soon. Um. And by soon, whenever we feel like it, really. So, sorry, guys. I mean, kind of not sorry. I don't know. It just, times are strange in COVID, and uh, it just isn't a thing I'm capable of doing every Saturday, is the podcast. Um, No, yeah, it's just, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I know that a lot of you want or need to hear us <laughs> so we're gonna yeah. try we're gonna try to crank some more out here yeah we um, will we'll do our best we can't promise it'll be a weekly thing but yeah i just can't right now um but i this was fun it's been a while well i, I also wanted to mention our friend sarah burris broke the uh i don't know if she broke the story but she had a lot of info on the new michael cohen book coming out where he he goes into detail about the hookers and the golden showers and Russia things and you know I don't know if it's going to make a big difference and I'm not going to pay to buy this asshole's book but I you know it it, it should could be entertaining you know when the pundits talk about it or whoever wants to recap it 
Right. And uh, Michael Cohen, I know you're a big listener to the podcast. So if you're listening, please unblock Sarah on Twitter. She's doing a really good job promoting your book. So you want to unblock her, okay, buddy? Oh. Yeah. That's adorable. <laughs> I don't know why he blocked her. I don't know what she said. <laughs> My darling Sarah. Yeah. I mean, she's not really a person I would fuck around with. <laughs> not in much that way. Best. No, exactly. Exactly. Well, she'll be back on soon. We may have some more guests, you know, depending on what's going on. But uh, I guess yeah. that's about it for us for now. We just wanted to catch up with you, you know, say hi. I know we never call anymore. You know. There was one good uh, good idea. Uh, for those of you who have living grandparents or parents that are getting old, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe yes. they're, maybe they're um, ambivalent about this post office thing, call them up and be like, hey, did you get my card? Mm-hmm. I sent I, you a long letter. I sent you a letter. It's got it's got pictures of your of your grandkids and 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 I told you all about my new boyfriend and my new job. It's all in this in all this, the juicy details about my life and everything that's in, going on. In this letter, did you get it? What you haven't gotten how, it? I sent it like a week ago. How your son and or daughter is a terrible parent, but I'm sure you were a better <laughs> one. And it's all in this letter. I sent it like a week ago. You didn't get it. Did you hear about what's happening with the post office? Oh, you know what? Must be that thing Trump's doing with the post office, <laughs> Grandma. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll send another one. Oh, you didn't get it? Oh, I wonder if it's the post office thing. Must be. <laughs> Talk about banging down the door of the postmaster general being like, there's juicy details about my children in this. <laughs> There's my letter. <laughs> right. Uh, well, that's one idea. Actually, like, do write your grandma a letter, right? Do it. Yeah. It doesn't take very long. An email, I guess. It's literally it won't get there. We're not kidding with the postal service. Right. Yeah. If grandma uses email. Right. Which or, mine... or write the letter and then you can call her and you'll be telling the truth. Right. <laughs> Either way. Right. All right. All right. Everybody just wear your masks and. Yeah. Wear your goddamn masks. I mean, I thought this whole mask thing was over when Trump put on a mask for five minutes a couple weeks ago. Remember this? And then yeah. all the right wing punditry was jerking themselves off about how great it was. And now he's really going to win the election and he looks like a badass. And I was like, great, fine. That means everybody's going to wear a mask now. Right. But no, no, no. we're still, no. we're still have school board idiots and people protesting and people saying that masks give you like ass cancer or something like yeah. uh, w- children are being trafficked with taped mouths right, and they're right. dying. Carbon monoxide poisoning from wearing a mask. It's, it's like, just, stop, Trump put on the fucking mask. I thought that was it, right? Right. right. I know. Just wear a mask. Stay at home as much as you can. Still, I'm going to encourage that. Um, I'm sorry if you have kids. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to give you advice. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But everything is garbage. And I'm wishing you the best of luck. I don't know what to say if you have kids. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. For multiple reasons, but um, especially right now, God, I can't imagine. Um, and just like try to take care of each other and your neighbors and like just let's just try to be good to each other. You know, this is going to not ending anytime soon. So do your best to stay sane and be good. And that's all I got. OK, stay active, stay tuned, stay involved more than ever. And uh, we'll be back soon to talk to you. Adios.
thinking of